Hi everyone, it's Dave. Uh, I always thank TJ Drennan in my show notes, but I haven't given him a shout out recently on the podcast. You're about to hear my wonderful Deeper Centile theme tune, which was written by the incredibly talented TJ Drennan. TJ now has a Patreon. You can find it, TJ Drennan, where he is making music for podcasters and YouTubers, and it is well worth checking out. Take it away, TJ. Child out of the cold and listen how the story's told From fairy tales to happenstance The dice rule every random chance Take off your coat and stay a while We're rolling that deep percent time Right, I've got a bunch of call-ins that I'm going to work my way through, see how far we get. I'm really grateful to get these call-ins. Please keep them coming in. Starting off then with a couple from Spike Pit. You mentioned ICRPG, Dave, and you know what that means. That means I've got a call-in. You and Jason were talking about it. Uh, yeah, I... Um, I can't see myself having any trouble running it on the fly. I, I totally know what Jason's talking about, but I, I, I agree with you. I think it's super light and probably super easy. And what really interested me, what you were saying about the rule book, I realise now, I don't even think of it as a rule book. I totally need to go away and get the rules down on one sheet of paper, and I'm, I'm sure you can do that. I think you're totally right. Really, it's a bit of a toolkit, that book. It's a mixture of GM advice and loads of pretty cool tables and just really a wealth of ideas. So, yeah, you, you don't need a fraction of that book to actually play the game. Good observation, man. Right, I've decided I'm going back to calling you Dave. I'm not funny. Dave of D Percentile. That's it. No messing. And listen... Last episode, you mentioned two things, Lego and Gaslands, and the light bulb went off in my head. I've uh, got the original Gaslands by Osprey and haven't got it to the table because I was thinking, you know, oh, I've, got to, I've got to do all that crafting and messing about when really I probably didn't have to, but that was the excuse. So I was procrastinating over it. Uh, and not even able to say long words, see, let alone understand what they mean. And um, Lego. I make my Gasland cars out of Lego. Me and Sonny, we can sit and build them together and get them out and then blow bits off and all sorts. That will be wicked. So, wicked? Did I say that? Thanks very much, Colin. Yes, I've got not much to add really to the ICRPG comments there except to say that I think that one page that I would extract from ICRPG would be a really fun and enjoyable experience. I haven't had a chance to run or play it yet. I think Jason's talking about getting a game together online. I look forward to giving, a, giving it a go. As for Gaslands, yeah, 
stroke of genius. So I heard this message and thought, wow, I can sell this to my children so easily. All of them, I can see all three of them um, wanting to, you know, kit bash their various cars they've got, attach weapons to them, various other modifications. Brilliant. So I very excitedly started to evangelise the game to the kids only to find out on reading the first couple of pages that there's a whole batch of stuff I need. I need special dice. I need special movement templates. I'm a little bit heartbroken about that. I will, of course, get hold of them. But um, I didn't realise that I was not going to have an immediately playable experience. I mean, obviously, there's a table for converting a regular D6 to the various special symbols, but it's not it's not the same. It makes it a little bit of a faff. It's a shame because I think the templates and dice would make it an even more attractive experience for the kids. But I've got to delay that one for a bit. I sort of wish I didn't back any Kickstarters or anything. I just saw the game and saw that it was available for pre-order on Amazon and therefore bought it. But I sort of wish it had come in a box set with all the accompanying kit, which I mean, I don't know. I, I liked the affordability of the hardback book. Um, but I imagine I would have been prepared to pay for the complete game if I'd realised that that's what I would need. So, yeah, a little bit disgruntled about Gaslands. Um, when I get set up to play it, I will let people know how it went. Cheers again, Colin. All right, next up, we got a call from Shandy Andy of Unguarded Treasure B52. Yeah, so one result of this dalliance with halflings and ducks has been... A slight resurgence of my interest in Glorantha. I've always been intimidated by the Gloranthan lore. I mentioned that a couple of episodes ago. But I am also beginning to be strangely fascinated by the idea of a duck campaign, particularly because I've been looking over... I love 13th Age. I've been looking over 13th Age Glorantha and uh, wouldn't mind giving it a go. So, yeah, I mentioned a couple of episodes ago that I was finding the law intimidating and here's a suggestion from Shandy Andy, which is no help at all. <laughs> but beware, Dave. The source book is just a starting point, which I found myself on. The next stopping off point is the Guide to Glorantha, Volumes 1 and 2, and it's like having the Encyclopedia Britannica on your shelf. It's about four times the size of the source book. And believe me, it's mind-boggling. It's just ridiculous that something of that quality is being produced for an imaginary fantasy world. So good luck with that. Um, All Duck Party campaign. I'm in. I don't know who's running it. Probably Webster. <laughs> we'll see. But I'm definitely in. Include me in. Do not go ahead without me. I can't do a duck accent, but I'm pretty sure I could fit into a campaign that was duck only. Yeah, thanks, Andy. So I've checked out the guide to Glorantha. <laughs> More than 800 pages of beautiful hardback thing. Even the PDF costs a million pounds. So, yeah, I'm not sure how long this dalliance with Glorantha is going to last and whether it's worth that investment although it does look like a very shiny object one thing i did find i have found a couple of it's a nice reminder actually i found a couple of 1979 1980 duck related modules from judges guild with some art in there by kevin c Ambiada. Um and it reminds you 
it reminds you of what an old school game could be. I'm sure these modules are shot through with, with lore of all kinds of significance, but they are basically dungeons stocked with some items, a couple of random tables and a few encounters. It just re reminds you that although these worlds are steeped with lore, you perhaps shouldn't be too intimidated about just uh, just dropping in to a little bit of one. But it also reminds me that I... I prefer that more loosely dis defined general OSR world where, of course, you can just drop whatever law you like into the dungeon, build the world with complete freedom. I'm slightly resentful of, of, of a game that makes so much of being steeped in the relevant law. But I am keen to give ducks a go at some point. I must urge people, get onto the uh, MeWe group. The link's in the show notes if you can. At the moment, there's just a couple of us bantering about ducks. <laughs> it would be good if we could have more deeper centile-related chat on MeWe. Thanks very much for the call-in, Andy, and your, your support for my forays into Glorantha. All right, we're really rounding up the call-ins from a whole bunch of different topics, different episodes. Got one here from Goblin's Henchman now. Hi Dave, it's Goblin Senchman here. Just got finished listening to your episode about uh, Kung Fu Cops and Savage Worlds. It actually reminded me that I, not long ago, came up with the idea of using UNO cards for an initiative system. And of course, it didn't take people very long to point out that Savage Worlds already kind of use cards for initiative systems. So, you know, let a little bit of air out of my balloon, but to be fair, there's very few new ideas under the sun. Anyway, but I think the, the cards still, I think, are quite good for systems where, you know, maybe, for example, um, uh, Toon or maybe even Kung Fu Cops because it's, you know, more cartoony um, than a standard deck. And uh, I think the other thing about uh, Uno cards is they've got quite a lot of sort of wild cards, like plus two, plus four, change direction, which might, you know, work well in a sort of, if you can think of something to do with them in your Kung Fu game. Anyway, just putting that out there. Cheers, fella. Yeah, thanks very much. So the card-based initiative is one of the things I really love about Savage Worlds. Aside from the fact that it's just really easy to track initiative, it then introduces that the deck becomes central to a lot of the other um, random elements of the game, which I really like. So the suits have significances in car chases and in some of the montage-type activities that you can do. So I really like that extra element of, of randomness that you can use in the game. The idea of using an Uno deck is inspired actually and it would have worked well for Kung Fu Cops because yeah as you say it's got so many other bonus type cards trick type cards um, and so what I did was mark up a deck um, I got a special deck that was sort of minimally marked and, and wrote things on it um, but it seems to me that you could have quite an easy key with the Uno cards and you could have some quite memorable specific moves that triggered off the, uh, the, the various special cards so great suggestion and thanks for the call in as always Goblin's Hedgeman and as you say, there are no new ideas at all, are there? The point is to nick the good stuff. I don't know why I haven't taken card-based initiative. It could easily be ported into any other OSR game, especially the ones that just sort of use a desultory roll highest on a D6 mechanic. Um, it would work really well. Uh, maybe I'll think about that some more. All right, still jumping about a bit. Next up, we've got Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Hey, Dave, Jason here. I know, not this guy again, but real quick, um, I want to apologize to everybody. 
I said DC's streaming service when I was talking about Moon Knight. Of course, I meant Disney's Moonings. Yeah, Disney's streaming service. Beats the heck out of me how I got those mis- mixed up. Um, no, check out, do a quick search on Moon Knight. He he had like a mercenary partner or mercenary. Uh, there was another mercenary that died early in his career. And then the character became Moon Knight. You know, wandered into the, he was dying in the desert. And he wandered into the temple of the Egyptian god of revenge, I think. And he resurrected him and sent him out in the world. And But in some versions of the character, he sees this version of this other mercenary with no face that hounds him and gives him heck. And it's really a cool character. I can't imagine they'll do that, but it'd be neat if they did. So he has like multiple personalities. He has like three or four different personalities in some versions. Anyway, talk to you later. Yeah, it's going back a little way now. Sorry I sat on that for a bit, Jason, but I, I, I don't think you need to worry about that little slip. As I've said before, if people worried about that kind of slip, <laughs> they wouldn't be listening to this podcast, would they? Uh, Moon Knight is fascinating to me, and I definitely will check that out. And thanks very much for the call-in. And next up, and I think last for today, last but not least, a couple from Liran. Sorry, Liran, one of these goes back a little way as well. The other one's more recent. Liran, of course, from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. Hey, Dave, it's Liran again. You know, I have to tell you, it never ceases to amaze me when you guys get so weirded out about things that are sexual But you will talk about violence all day long. That is just so strange to me. Like, does gore bother you? If somebody went into, like, deep detail about beheading an enemy or something, would that bother you? I don't know if you heard Joe from Hindsightless's episode where he read a scene about, uh, um, uh, oh, I can't think of the word. Oh my gosh. Anyway, a murder. And he said if he changed a few words, he would be very uncomfortable reading that. Hi, Dave. It's Laren. I'm wondering if you're familiar with Barbara Tversky's work. Sam Harris does a podcast called Making Sense, and he recently interviewed her about her work. And she is working on the premise that it's about movement more than it's about language, which I thought was a really interesting theory. Anyway, I'm not going to do it justice if I try to explain it beyond that. But if you want a good intro to it, Sam Harris's interview with her is really good on his podcast, Making Sense, albeit it's over an hour long. <laughs> I definitely think it's worth a listen, though. All right. Have a good one. All right, thanks, Liren. I think I can tie these two together, actually. I do accept, I think I mentioned on the podcast, I do accept that it's odd that there are some things in gaming, some R-rated things that we can be so comfortable with. I say we, particularly in my games, it's the violence, the horror, and then other things. talked about um, mental well-being, mental illness before, and sexual content that I, I do find uncomfortable and I, I suppose it, it it amuses and amazes me as well when I think about it but yeah moving on to the Tversky reference no so I don't know her work and I will check it out and I love to get these kind of recommendations sometimes I go around in circles about what the podcast is about and I put things out and say oh this will have to be a bonus because it hasn't got random tables in and then something happens like what has happened with Tom Bombadil <laughs> this week and I remember that's why I'm that's why I'm doing it I love these discussions that emerge these things that we're 
batting about together. So here I've got something to share with you. Yeah, because you know I work in philosophy of education and one of the things I think about is, I sort of alluded to this on the Bombadil thing, but what, you know, what's, what's down at the bottom? Language is, language is important, but does language go all the way down? Or what's down at the bottom? Is it language? Is it movement? Is it gesture? Is it some dialogical relationship yeah because the the infant very early on is sort of stirring in relation to the world but whether you want to call those stirrings linguistic or something else I'm never quite sure about I've been reading recently some work by Michel Serre particularly his book The Five Senses and this is something that's captured me from those Michel Serre talks about not necessarily language but he talks about the mimetic processes flowing since the dawn of time and he writes about the classroom that the teaching body dances its knowledge softly so that through virtual mimicry of its gestures a few ideas will enter their heads the students heads of course via the muscles and bones which though seated and immobile are solicited pulled toward the beginnings of movement perhaps even by the written works little jig uh, i really enjoy that uh, that suggestion that what's down at the bottom is not necessarily language but some some movement towards some being solicited gesturally i really enjoyed that i enjoyed that so much actually that i wrote a blog about it that you might be interested to read particularly because of the title of the blog i called it for reasons that become clear if you read it i called it carnal knowledge <laughs> i thought that might give you might give you some amusement maybe on a wednesday <laughs> anyway Liren, cheers very much for the calling actually on the same topic, I've just been working today, I've just been finishing the edits on a paper that's coming out later this year, which is called Education's Love Triangle. Uh, and I'll drop you a link to it when it's out. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if that might amuse you as well. Cheers for the call in, Liren. All right, that's me for today, looking at time. Just wanted to go down through some of those call-ins I've got more coming up I've got a whole load more Bombardil which I'm very pleased to get I have of course got my Savage Worlds run through coming up uh, but as I was saying to, in my response to Liren just then sometimes I, <laughs> I agonize about what the podcast is really about and then I get a batch of call-ins like that and uh, I really don't mind because I you know that's that's what it's about for me I love getting those call-ins um, I love to know that people are listening I love to know that people are, are inspired to further thoughts by what's going on here um, I think of it more as something that you know in many cases I'm just sort of curating really and it goes on by itself and I very much enjoy it. I'll catch you soon. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact Dave, please leave a message on Anchor, email dpercentile at gmail.com or find him on Twitter at d underscore percentile.